Welcome to Out of Nowhere, where we talk with marketers, makers, and value creators about where they've been and where they're going next. Let's dive in. Today, we're talking messaging and Marcom with Paypalaya from Winter. They're a customer feedback tool for B2B brands. So I have a failed SaaS company in my past, like 2009, 2010, I built a, I had a startup that didn't go anywhere. And so that's kind of a, been a chip on my shoulder. And so in 2019, I started an agency, a, a conversion optimization experimentation agency that's still around now called Spiro. Uh, and, but uh, six years into running that or five years into running that, uh, I got tired of being a consultant you know, uh, explaining the same thing, you know, for the millionth time. And I had been a consultant at that time for 10 years and I just couldn't do it anymore. And that's when I added on the e-learning side of uh, the business. So basically I added like a new unit inside the agency uh, selling courses, essentially, to teach people what we do, selling to people who can't afford the agency. Uh, Today that's companies called CXL. And that e-learning business today, it's, uh, it's bigger in terms of revenue than the agency um, while having half the staff. So and that is why I think a lot of people want to move away from agencies because agencies are people heavy. And then, uh, yeah, about two years ago, I stumbled upon this unsolved problem, which was, you know, at CXL, I have like 90 plus courses and each course has its own sales page. And I learned a long time ago that improve, in order to improve the conversion rate on, a, on the landing page, you mostly focus on the copy. And so I was asking myself, okay, so in order to improve my copy on these 90 pages, what's wrong with the copy? Um, and so I was wondering if my ICP, if my perfect customers on those pages and they're reading it, what are they thinking? Are they like, oh my God, wow, so interesting. Or are they like, hmm, meh. Which is it? Or what's interesting, what's boring? And then uh, I tried to find a tool that will help me solve this problem. Didn't find anything. And then was like, oh, well, everybody has copy. Everybody has pages. Uh, how come this is an unsolved problem? And then it was like, I've been waiting for an unsolved problem for 10 years since my last startup failed. It's like, ooh, this is a problem. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's an opportunity. So did some problem validation. It's a solution validation, built an MVP. Um, and then, um, you know, a slight pivot, uh, copy testing. Our MVP became winter, focusing on B2B messaging. And this thing has now legs. and uh, We're making money. We're, you know, we have customers. Uh, and so I'm going all in now. That's awesome. What are some of the, the learnings that you had as you're trying to validate your initial sort of uh, idea on this? Were there, were there a few things that you're like, okay, that's a little bit different than what I imagined or were you dead on already? The very first part of the problem validation was we just mm, designed some mock-ups of what the UI might look like. And so I scheduled like maybe 30 interviews or so, whereas like half, half of it was doing problem validation. Hey, is this a problem? Is that, something you ever think about um, and then showing them the, 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 the mock-ups like prototypes. It's like, Hey, what do you think if, would this solve your problem? And the answer was for the most part, yes. And then they said, but I, I want it to work like this. I want it this. Uh, and so that basically created the scope for the MVP. Then we built the MVP 
and launch at a market. And the, you know, the, the old saying of, you know, no, no plan survives first contact with the customer. And sure enough, um, we were completely wrong about who this is for. And my initial hypothesis was that this is for copywriters. Like finally they have data to work with. No, copywriters don't care about data. They want, in fact, they felt challenged. Like somebody can judge my work, you know, otherwise, you know, so, and also they don't have mine. Uh, and two, uh, I thought my second uh, uh, ICP is going to be uh, a product marketer or a marketer at e-commerce companies because e-commerce companies have a lot of product pages, a lot of copy to optimize. No, nope. as soon as they ship, and I'm generalizing, obviously, as soon as they ship a product page with some copy on it, they never think about it again. And, and if I say, hey, you can make your copy better. It's like, well, it's not a problem. My, not the top of my problem. Um, and as we were pitching it, B2B company showed up. So, hey, uh, we want this, but we have a very specific ICP. You know, I want directors of product from this type of companies, or I want HR managers. And we're like, well, but we have like consumers. Like, do you want men ages 25 to 50? Like it? And it wasn't good enough. But then it was enough signal that we, we need to go to B2B and just change the product. Uh, they, they, wanted, they wanted it. So it sounds like you were looking at some e-commerce brands who have huge numbers of SKUs and consumers, which is high volume, uh, but maybe had a lot of similarities. A lot of the consumers probably shared similarities, but what you found is in the B2B, the smaller volume audience, probably not, they don't work in SKUs, but probably fewer offerings. Uh, but the differences between one buyer to the next was pretty great to the point where they needed to have more nuances in the copy. And each transaction was very valuable. They didn't want to, the idea of missing, the idea of missing a sale on e-com is not a big deal, but an idea of missing a sale on B2B is like, oh, it's so painful because it's so valuable. That's right. So, and also, so you, it sounds like your original hypothesis was a good one, but it just, but maybe the concern wasn't there. Whereas in B2B, they're like, oh, we've been looking for this. It's a, it's a recognizable pain point. Absolutely, and uh, what else? You know, what else is happening in the background is that consumer research is a pretty established thing. You know, since the 1950s, you know, P and G, and everybody has been doing consumer research since forever. Whereas in B two B, this has not really been happening, especially in B two B tech in SaaS. It's not has hasn't been really happening, and also because access to audiences, because everybody is selling to a title at a type of company. It's just not, not available. All these panel companies that are around that give you access to audiences, they're all designed for consumer. So the consumer ecosystem is, is rich and competitive, whereas in B2B, there's really nothing. And so that was also, that was like a B2B companies even couldn't do their customer research. Uh, it was very you know manual and time consuming. So that was something uh, um, uh, you know, we could, we could uh, build, build on. And then we found other, we found a new type of person, like a, the product marketer inside B2B, like who, who is, it's a new role. Uh, they own messaging, positioning, sometimes go to market strategy. Um, and they have no, nothing in the tech stack. You know, so it's like, well, here we are. And people want that. I mean, it, it, the, every tech marketer I know wants they want to max out the tools that are available to them. Uh, they're looking for it, 
right? In fact, in some cases, it's not a problem. How do I solve it? It's like, what's my tech stack? Like they're very, very easy to convince that there's there's probably yeah, a tool yeah, yeah. for it. So sure. Maybe over overly, maybe overly in some cases, like too many tools, but. Exactly. Uh, you- the inflated expectations of like this, once we get this ABM tool, our sales will. You know, Everything. Think, yeah. That's what the salesperson probably said. Uh, do you think that there's other trends that are uh, a wind at your back or maybe a wind in front of your face? So it's, that's maybe blocking mm-hmm. you a little bit, but I, I, I could, cause I, I feel like B2B marketers are starting to pull more tricks out of B2C marketing than they used to. That's my perception is they're realizing that this stuff we can learn from the B2C marketers. We don't have to say, oh, that's a different world that, oh, actually we can be a little bit of that too. Business people are consumers as well. It seems like that's a trend that I'm seeing. I don't know if you see that or not. There, it, it used to be, uh, market used to be like a couple of big players. But now, especially in SaaS, and with the last 10 years, since the costs of technology have come down and access to talent, you know, we're all remote now, and access to funding, VC money, has just, you know, exploded. That has resulted in, if we compare like 10 years ago and today, like 50 times more companies than there were 10 years ago, 50 times. It's a huge difference. So that means that a space that used to have, you know, five big players, like let's take CRMs. Oh, it used to be, you know, Salesforce and uh, Oracle and, uh, you know, whatever. Now it's like 500 CRMs, right? And the lesson from... B2C is that, well, how many genes manufacturers are there? Like infinite amount. And the product is really the same. So it's, it's a commodity product. And now a CRM is a commodity product. And how is B2C selling it? Oh, it's a brand. It's like affinities and you know, all these things. And now B2B is learning. We can't win on product alone because as soon as something works, they're going to copy us. And, you know, and then you need to win on brand. And then messaging is a big part of it. The pendulum has swung, uh, if, if you remember, like Web 1.0 had brands. And in fact, the brand preceded the product. And you get all these, like, people were throwing money. They were throwing money at the at the marketing. And then the bubble busts, and then everybody learned from that. And they're like, screw that. We're not, we're not going marketing first. We're going product first. And all these founders were, like, very focused on the product. And the product will sell itself. We don't need marketing. And then, and then they took the pendulum swung too far that way. Like you said, there's all these new entrants and they're like, well, how are we going to differentiate our stuff's not as proprietary as we want? Mm. Turns out that's what, that's where brain comes back in. And so now it's like, it's, it's matured now that we're onto the second or third wave where exactly. we're realizing like, yeah, it's, you can't just, the, co- the feature, that feature is going to get copied. So what can't get copied? Last, uh, or maybe a couple of days ago, the, on Twitter, Naval Ravikant uh, was like the modern era sage you know, said that uh, you need sales because marketing was not good enough and, and you need marketing because your product is not good enough. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's the gist of it. And just goes to show the time when Naval built his companies, you know, he's a very successful entrepreneur, was when you could win on purely a product because there was not much available, right? Mm-hmm. So if you built a truly good product, you understood the user, you won. It was enough. Not, in, not enough anymore. No, and, and people can imitate you very quickly. Yeah. So what it, what's the thing that they can't imitate? And that's where brand comes in. And then brand, brand leads to how you talk. Yeah. Your you audience, talk, your, um, you know, like uh, 
Yeah, all, all these things. So like my favorite example is like in the coffee bean business, which is a commodity product. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee is now huge. It's like an, a, a SaaS scale business. And, and they sell coffee because, to people who like guns and military and, uh, you know, and some other, you know, affinity notes in there and, and extremely successful. They're not afraid to be who they are. And so they attract one group and repel the other group, which is where, and if you look at like email marketing tools, there's, you know, according to G2, more than 400 of them, they're still sending, saying, send beautiful email newsletters with our tool. It's like your coffee beans, you know? Yeah. In the tech world, you don't want to admit that you have a parody product because there's, again, there's so, the culture is sort of so focused on, well, we can't be parody. So we have to build these things that are proprietary. But again, it's so competitive and features can get copied very quickly. When you're, so with your, with winter, are there prerequisites that you feel like need to be met before they can take full advantage of the platform? Or can someone come in with just, a very loose evolving business strategy, no sense of positioning and value prop and still use it effectively. And maybe eventually they'll go back and get those things in place. Or do you feel like uh, you really need to have some prerequisites met before you start using? No, no prerequisites to use winter because really the idea of getting feedback from your ICPs from a target market. I mean, that it's not complicated. You don't need any sophisticated strategies. Like here's my pitch. Hey, target market, what do you think of this pitch? Does it, you know, does it resonate? Are you interested in it? And that, that can even be the, the genesis of your messaging strategy, where like if you sound like everybody else and, and if you ask your target market, can you tell why I choose us and not somebody else? And they're like, no idea. Then it's like, oh, maybe we you know, need to think about these things. Do you think that actually should be maybe one of the first steps is, is winter could be one of those very early steps or where would you see it in the process? Like if you were trying to be objective and we're thinking through uh, somebody who is in a, a very early stage, maybe even just have an idea, how would they use it versus somebody who's like series A has, you know, obviously has done well enough to get to series A. Like how would they maybe right. use the platform differently? Well, I think, I mean, winter is not a replacement for having a true, having true insight into the market and spotting an opening in the market and having, you know, you've worked in an industry for 10 years and then you just know how, why things the way they are, why the status quo is broken. So we can't, winter will not tell you like, hey, you should be this. What winter is, is validation, whether if you want to communicate like this, do people get it? Do they want it? Is it relevant? Is it aligned with your priorities? Is it differentiated? So you and I, we've talked about uh, message market fit. And so it's, it's a uh, winter gives you a way to kind of like pre-validate it before you, before you put something out to the market. So it's about speeding up those feedback loops. So here's a messaging we want to lead with. And before you start driving traffic or you know, go, go to product hunt or whatever, you can see if like people get it, if they want it, is it relevant, is it differentiated? And then you, based on the feedback, you can make the pitch better. And, and obviously the same, same goes for bigger companies, like big companies, which is most of the customers we have. You know, like uh, before any product launch, everything goes through winter first. So, bef you know, they, they want to get the messaging right before they put it out there. And do you see uh, people designating 
um, hey, this is more of a top of funnel uh, awareness play versus more of a down funnel direct response play, or are they trying, they may be accomplishing everything all on the same page. So they kind of lead with one and then down here is a little bit more actionable. How do you think they're using it? Uh, are you talking about like home pages or? Just how you see users using it right now. Do you feel like, is it mostly sort of down funnel direct response type landing pages, or is it, you're seeing it all across the board and they're very aware of where they're at in the journey? So overwhelmingly, uh, most people are testing their home pages first, which mm -hmm. I think makes sense because that's your, yep. you know, highest traffic, highest visibility page, um, and and different people people have different ways how to think about it, and some buy into the we should go all vision and our narrative, and then of course what typically that comes at the expense of clarity. People come in and it's like you you're trying to do what exactly what is this? So people forget that when we see something new, first thing people want to understand is what is this, you know? So, uh, so I, I always recommend, you know, like lead with a category. We're a marketing automation tool or, you know, whatever it is. Explain what it is and then people can relax. Okay, now I understand what it is and now I can take in like the onlyness and the, the you know, the rest of it. So people use winter mostly for, for bottom of the funnel, like um, key pages before companies would use uh, or browse before signing up. So your homepage or different product pages, feature pages, sign up pages, pr uh, pricing. Yeah, t t uh, the, uh, your insight about the category, I think is a good one. Um, why do you think it is that we humans want to see a category right off the bat? I think it's evolutionary. Like this has been discussed, uh, you know, any book you, you read on, you know, neuromarketing or, or, you know, things like that. It's, it's uh, our reptilian brain is, is not very sophisticated. So back, you know, 30,000 years ago, as soon as we saw something in the nature, we were like, what is it? You know, can I eat it or will it eat me? And so we're like, or can I mate with it? You know, <laughs> we're signing, sizing it up. So we want to make sense of it. And so I think that's, we, ha we haven't evolved that much. since. Those yeah, days. I would describe it as both category and, and positioning. It's, there's a file cabinet in your brain and you need to know which file cabinet you're about to put all this information into. And then from then on, once you got, the, you got to get the right file cabinet, you got to put yourself in the right file cabinet and it has to be an actual file cabinet. You can't just make up some crazy thing. Like, I don't have that file cabinet. I'm moving on. Right. And then from exactly. there on, it seems like every supporting message is like, all right, am I in the back of the file cabinet or am I at the front of the file cabinet? And it takes, you have to think about that. And exactly. There... So, yeah, I, I think of it uh, in, in terms of like um, consideration sets or, or jobs to be done framework. Is like, yep. So if I'm looking for a CRM, oh, this is a CRM, but I'm not going to consider you because I already have HubSpot, Salesforce and so on in my back of my mm -hmm. mind. But if they say, hey, we're a CRM for, I don't know, small bookkeeping shops, and I'm a bookkeeper. Oh, this is now different job to be done, different category of product, maybe number one in my uh, consideration set now. So testing that, I think, is, is very important. And I think also, like, when we talk about category creation, it is a good play or can be a good play. But if you say, hey, we're a revenue intelligence tool, and people are like, what? then you need to have a lot of money and patience yes. and time to do the customer education that over time to start getting what that is. And if you're a bootstrapped 
company. I mean, odds are that you just can't pull it off. Uh, David Cancel was uh, from Drift was on my podcast, and he said it took them like ten million dollars to basically educate the the market about conversational marketing. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, I think category creators are are not positioning themselves off of something. They're just saying we are a thing, and so if we're talking about file cabinets again, it's like, is that, I don't have a file cabinet for that. But if you said, Hey, you have a file cabinet for this world or this, that helps. I think a little bit, right. It's position yourself. It's that's why you call it positioning, right? You position yourself as something or off of something. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Um, what are, what are some of the, I'm sure you're starting to hear like people give you feedback on, Hey, this worked and Oh my gosh, we couldn't crack this. Are you starting to see some of that feedback where people are like, Oh, before we had this tool was, you know, stuff that makes you feel good and you pass on to the team. So a surprising um, use case that I wasn't planning on is settling internal debates. Because, (laughs) you know, if there's messaging or words that go on a website, everybody thinks that, you know, they they can have an opinion because they, they can read and write. And so CEO wants to say one thing and he usually or she usually wins. And the product marketing has another idea. Engineers say, hey, what about this new feature we just built? And so there's all this conflict. What should we say? How should we call it? And all these arguments. And typically, you know, either they they find a happy medium, which means that they really like find a boring, vague way to say something that doesn't, you know, offend anyone. Or they go with like highest paid person's opinion. And so winter is like, Hey, let's use, let's say that we're a go-to-market research tool. And then what well, with Winter, you can find out people have no idea what a go-to-market research tool is, where everybody has a different idea of what that is. And it's like, ah, maybe we shouldn't use that terminology. Here's data that shows that people find it very confusing. And most people like to think of themselves as rational actors. And nobody would want to push messaging that uh, where we have data that this messaging is just not working. It's like not clear or whatever. Interesting. Um, in terms of the results that people get from using the platform, are you trying to emphasize a high sample size, lots of different viewpoints on this messaging, or is it more of the richness of the feedback that you get from maybe even a small sample size? Mm-hmm. So it differs based on the page and the goal. So the, the metric of how people measure success uh, often can be conversion rate because uh, whether whether people sign up, well, signing up is a, is cause. So uh, sorry, is effect something that happened? But what's causing them to sign up? And um, so if if the messaging achieves certain, you know, uh, matches certain heuristics or. Like it's clear, it's compelling, it's relevant, it's differentiated. If those things are checked, people will sign up. So a lot of times, you know, people use winter for to get that feedback on like, hey, this is not clear. How can we make it clearer? Oh, what we're, what do we say first, second, or third? The information hierarchy is, is informed by actual target customer priorities and, and you know pain points. So if you have that qualitative input on those matters, then uh, you can, you know, make your copy better on those, in those specific aspects, which will result in more people signing up for stuff. But yeah, it can it be broader like, as a brand too. It sounds like what you're saying is 
um, ultimately you want, let's say conversion rates, right? Like you want to get a conversion rate that goes from X percent to that, a better percent. And, and winter is, helps settle maybe an internal debate, get the messaging a little bit sharper, gives you an outside perspective that looks a little bit more like our audience. And then that, if the job's not done, now it gets implemented. And then you find out, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're closer now. And, and look, the conversion rate is inching closer to where we want to be. And often in B2B, you know, you, you only have like 150 customers, right? And so that means there's no, there's, you will never be able to run a single A-B test. You just don't have the volume. And now you can at least go by qualitative data. You don't, you know, there are no sample size requirements there. Um, so sometimes it's, it's the only thing B2B companies have going for them. So you and I met over our shared uh, belief in the term message market fit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think probably it was one of those like things where it's like obvious to both of us and not a lot of people use that term, but I know you and I both have championed it over the years. And I think other people are picking it up. Have you, uh, have you seen, are you seeing other people buy into that terminology, that thinking when you've used it? Um, isn't it easy get like, what's your experience with it? Cause that's how we met. Yeah. Um, I, I think it is gaining some, you know, modest traction. Uh, I've seen iterations of it, of like language market fit and, you know, which is the same mm. thing. Um, and while winter is not for startups, like early stage startups, uh, that's not the ICP I'm going for. I do have some. And so that is, that is quite often the, the thing that they're trying to achieve. And so I have this one startup that testing their uh, messaging and positioning with winter. Uh, and this is a startup that uh, just, you know, just started, like brand new. They were able to find a pain point that was far you know, stronger. And thanks to that insight, they were able to increase their pricing 10 times by finding uh, you know, message market fit. It's like, oh yes, I have this pain point and I'm ready to throw money at it. Um, so yeah, it's happening. That's cool. I mean, the, the, the terminology for it to me just made a lot of sense, right? Like product market fit, that term makes a ton of sense. You've got a product, you've got a market, does it fit? But you can have a great product and you can have the market nailed. But if you can't find the glue that can that bring the conduit that brings it together, it's not going to work. And if when I think about it, you know, innovation on its own doesn't doesn't just sell itself. It doesn't get there. You need distribution, right? To succeed, you need innovation and distribution. You need them both. And sometimes people have like really weak innovation, but they're very good at distribution. That that can be successful, right? And to oh, me, right. if I think about distribution, well, that's a lot of things. You, it's sales, it's marketing, but the thing that they both need is a good message. I mean, you have to be able to communicate, oh, that's your need, that's your circumstance. Well, this is what we've got. And so to me, it just made a lot of sense. Like if we're going to champion product market fit, it's not that and you're done. There's another side to that. And that's where message market fit came in. And so the message to me felt like the right word to use. And I'm sure it's the same reason that you also yeah, use that same word versus language, a... right? prerequisite to product market fit like yes they, they might want the product but if you can't communicate it in a compelling fashion and of course if if somebody has 30 minutes i mean i'm sure we can sell them on a bunch of things but they don't have 30 minutes to listen to us you know so making something concise yet compelling you know something that resonates that's, that's hard and uh yeah you need to get there 
So since you've started winter and you've obviously, this is not your first rodeo. It's your third or fourth or at least that we know of. Right. Um, what, what has been probably the most like energizing and fulfilling thing about it? Like what, and I'm sure it's, it's a work in progress, right? Like there's still things you're still working on and still going after, but like, what has been like the, the stuff where you look back and you're thinking like, that's pretty cool. Based on now, certain things are much easier, you know? So first of all, most of the pipeline that is, um, generated like demos and stuff, uh, they come through my organic social content. And it's not that my content overnight became uh, so good. It's because I've been building an audience for the last 10 years. So I'm, I'm standing, you know, on, on top of that pre-work. That makes it easier. Uh, so it's easier to find customers. And two is there are certain playbooks that I know that will work, you know, content marketing. And, and, and I just don't mean the blog, but like content anywhere, like YouTube or LinkedIn, you know, so content marketing works. So went all in with that right, right out the gate. And second is, I know that my, many of my ideas are flawed and wrong. And so I've, from the get-go, I built a very fast learning machine. So what I'm consciously optimizing for is super fast feedback loops. So for instance, just recently, uh, what I did, uh, I'm still doing, is somebody gave me feedback, hey, you should sell into sales. Because that's you know closer to money, all these reasons why I'm, I should be selling into sales. I'm like, hmm, maybe really, but I need to do problem validation. So I need to like, what is the problem that uh, the sales has that I can solve, unsolved problem? And so basically, I lined up again a bunch of interviews with VP sales in BBWC SaaS companies, and I'm saying, hey, uh, this is what winter is. Do you have this problem? You know, kind of like talking about the problem and like, this is the way we would solve it. What do you think? Uh, and so before I'm going in and writing code and building product, I'm validating. So I'm you know, able to learn very, very fast whether there's something to do it or not. Same thing with new features. We're doing everything no code because I know how expensive is developer hour. Like if you spend, you know, a couple of sprints building a feature that nobody actually wants, very expensive. And so, so that, that has been, um, you know, easier because I know how to do things. Certain things are harder. 10 years ago, when I was younger, I had more brute force hustle in me. And now I have kids and I'm older and like, I can't brute force myself to success anymore. Like I need to have other people help me execute. Isn't it nice that we trade brute force for maybe a little bit more like, uh, I don't know if it's wisdom or wisdom, I've been yeah. through that before. I know how to better vantage point. Totally. Like to- 10 years ago when I started CXL, I mean, I was staying up at, at night and like blogging, you know, writing articles and I can't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I see like, well, yeah, it would be great if I had, you know, more content, but I just, you know, you know, it's, is- it's, it's, it's a throwaway phrase to say work smarter, not harder, but damn it. Some of us don't know how to work smarter right off the bat. So we have to just work harder and then yes. years later. You're like, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe I don't have to do brute force on this one. Exactly. Right.